righty. Well, let's jump in. We're going to be in Mark chapter 15 and chapter 16 the next three weeks. And we're going to spend time, we're going to look at the death of Jesus next week, the burial of Jesus, and then the resurrection of Jesus. And there might be a slight different slant and application to these as, as we talk and as we share. And I think that's okay, because I'm pretty confident most of you have read these verses before at one time or another. So we'll take a look at it. We're going to be in Mark 15, verse 33 through 41 today. I found something interesting. If you look for the top events in history, do a search, you'll probably find some things that are on most of the lists. Top things in history. Invention of the wheel. You guys agree with that? Were some of you there? No. Uh, discovery of fire. Advent of farming, there's some, you know, some big things like that. And then if you continue to search, you might things, find some things that are a little more current, such as uh, the American Revolution. That's going to be on some people's list, especially if an American was doing the list, right? World War II, World War I, go back a ways, the printing press, remember that? I knew some of you would, Gutenberg and all that, yeah. Uh, the fall of the... Berlin Wall, there's a, a modern-day uh, event that has made some lists called 9-11. We know what that means, don't we? Some searches uh, even mention religious events, and I use religious in quotes. Some lists will have the life of Muhammad, the life of Buddha. Uh, some lists, lists have the, the Reformation, which is a big deal for us. And our Bible and all that today. But for me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the greatest event in history is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is God's rescue plan. It's a rescue plan, and it's through Jesus, and I believe it's changed everything for eternity. So as we approach Easter, we're going to look at these things, death to life, these three segments. And today, we focus on Jesus' death. And don't worry, it's not going to be morbid. We're not going to do that. But I think there's some things that we can learn. And I want to give you uh, one verse before we start. Paul uh, penned these through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. God breathed these words into Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Listen. I passed on to you what was more, most important and what also had been passed on to me. I, that gets my attention. I want to know what's most important, right? Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Paul could be sharing with them about anything and he shares the most important thing. And I believe it's right. The rescue plan, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It has changed our life. Let's look at uh, Mark 15, verse 33 through 41. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him to... I'm in the wrong place, aren't I? I'm telling you, I'm still wiping tears away. I, that was verse 31. Let's go to... Although that's a good verse, too. 33, some of y'all that were supposed to raise your hand and say, Pastor, you're in the wrong spot. No? This will make more sense because it starts with darkness. Here we go, verse 33. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, 
Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which is translated, thank goodness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, offered him a drink, and said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who was standing opposite him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, look at this, this man really was God's son. There are also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. And my son, my youngest son got on me. One time he heard me read Joseph and he said, you better tell everyone that's your grandson's middle name. So there, I've done that, all right? That's his middle name. Any of you have that middle name? I doubt it, all right? But these are the ladies there. And then verse 41, when he was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him. And many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. Let's pray. God, our hearts are full this morning already as we have worshipped you. As we have prayed, as we have praised. Our focus is on you. And on you, Jesus. And what you have done for us. And so may we proclaim your word. May our hearts be open to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you probably know there's four Gospels in the New Testament, and Mark's Gospel is different than the other three Gospels. And I love that. You can read all the four Gospels, and you get different things out of them. Uh, that's how God planned it, by the way. And uh, the other ones include what we, have you heard of this? The seven last words of Christ. Some of you may have heard of that. Some people call it the seven sayings on the cross. So I want to give those to you real quickly because Mark doesn't deal with those, but I find them rather instructive and interesting, and this is the chance to do it. The first one, if you'll read all four Gospels you'll, and put them in order, the first one is, you've heard of this one, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That is the statement or saying of forgiveness. The second one is the statement of salvation. When Jesus says from the cross, I assure you, truly, truly, you will be with me in paradise. Who did he say that to? Do you remember? The criminal on the cross, right? And then there's the statement of relationship. When Jesus simply says, woman, here is your son. Now, I've never referred to my mother as woman, but uh, he talked to his mother, and there was John right there. And then... The one we've just read today, the statement of abandonment it is called. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in one of the Gospels, there's the statement of distress where Jesus cries out, I'm thirsty. Do you remember that one? And then, of course, the powerful statement, the statement of triumph that we hang on to. Three words, right? It is finished. And then the statement of reunion from the cross is, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. But Mark's emphasis is different, and I hope you'll see this. He's not going through all of those. He's choosing to highlight descriptions, or what I like to call these signs that sum up the purpose of Jesus' death. 
And just let me note this in case you are uh, watching online or you're sitting here today, that just to note this, it's not over. All right? You can't leave Jesus in the grave, but we have two more weeks to go, okay? We will get there, but today we look at the death of Jesus. So, number one, look at verse 33, and uh, in your notes today, we want to we note something that maybe we look past sometime, and it's that Jesus died in darkness. Jesus died in darkness. Now, remember, Jesus had been arrested, tried, mocked, beaten, and now he's on the cross, and he's been on the cross if we'll do a really examine everything for three hours. He's been there for three hours, and suddenly it's noon, and Scripture tells us that darkness engulfed the whole land for three hours. Now, isn't it interesting how people try to explain away Scripture? I, I love how that is, and I love to listen to guys who will say, they will do anything to not admit that God would do something miraculous, Right? I just chuckle and listen. But throughout history, some have said, oh, well, this was just a solar eclipse. Now, we could go into a bunch of things, but just quickly, I will remind you, no. Even with a complete eclipse, you can see the sun's corona. If you don't know what that is, look it up. And the Passover was held at a certain time. The Passover, which had just happened, was held at the time of the full moon. No. It's not a solar eclipse, a complete eclipse. Some say it was very cloudy. Oh, well, that's original. Come on. Come on. We have intelligence. We know how to read. There's no way that happened. Here's what happened. This darkness was a miracle of God. You hear me? It was a miracle of God. It was a cosmic sign, and darkness always does this. It's a sign, and it was throughout the whole land. And I want you to think about darkness for a minute. Not darkness like we're used to. I don't care how good your blackout curtains are in your bedroom when you sleep. You're not in total and complete darkness. You got a phone over here or a little alarm clock or something's going on. Or maybe in your room, by code, you're supposed to have, what, a smoke detector and there's a little light. You're not in total darkness. But this is a complete miracle of God, a cosmic sign of God's judgment. That's what darkness is. God's judgment on something, on sin, and he poured it out in this situation on his son. And we see references to darkness and the judgment of sin over and over. We see it in Isaiah chapter 5, Amos chapter 8, Micah chapter 3, Zephaniah chapter 1. Over and over in other places we see this. And it's, it's a biblical thing. And the darkness shows us the judgment is here. Picture the judgment of every sin in the world from the time of Adam and Eve to the Lord Jesus returns, poured out on the sun. Now think about this, about darkness. Do you remember the plagues in Egypt when the children of God were in slavery and they came out of that? Do you remember the ninth plague? Anybody? Say darkness. Yeah. That was an easy one. Come on. Yeah, a three-day period of darkness. A picture of judgment of sin followed by the final plague. Everybody remembers that, right? The death of the firstborn. It's Exodus 10 and 11. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. The darkness of Calvary was an announcement that God's firstborn and beloved son, the Lamb of God, was giving his life 
for the sins of the world. Jesus died in darkness. Judgment of sin came to him. So what we need to understand about that is there's a reality that all of us must face in our life if we're going to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's this. We are all sinners. Would you agree with that? Look behind you and call that rose a sinner right now. No, don't do that. We have all sinned, Scripture says, and Jesus voluntarily gave his life for us on the cross so our sins could be dealt with once and for all. Do you remember the evening before he's in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he's saying, basically, is there any other way, right? And Jesus comes to the conclusion, God, not my will, but your will be done. He voluntarily did this. I think it's important for us to know. And it was once and for all. And as darkness came, God was indeed judging sin. You see, what he was doing, God was placing all of our sin on Jesus, placing all of our guilt, placing all of our unrighteousness, placing all of our shame. You add in whatever other word you want to. He was placing this on Jesus. And do not go to a church. Do not listen to some guy talk. Do not read a book if they're going to explain it away in a different way. The atonement is a crucial pillar of the gospel, the good news. That we find in the word. Well, let's move on. Sure, he died in darkness, but in verses 34, 35, and 36, we see that Jesus died alone. And the first thing we see there is the cry, and that's what I call verse 34, where Jesus cries out, translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe the cry in verse 34 is perhaps the most heart-wrenching cry or statement in the entire Bible. Did you know it's a quote from Psalm 22, verse 1? Have you ever read Psalm 22? It's a messianic psalm. You'll be amazed at some of the words that are in there. And as you look at the sayings of Jesus on the cross, you'll see a great connection there. And that messianic psalm, Psalm 22, identifies Jesus, as does this chapter here, as the righteous sufferer. And in his native tongue, that's why I didn't pronounce it very well, Aramaic, if you're wondering, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cry was not a cry of physical pain. It was not a cry of confusion. It was was not a cry of dread of death. Jesus wasn't fearing that, okay? It was a cry that came from the very Son of God, the one and only Son of God, who is now experiencing. Have you ever thought of this? Jesus at that moment was experiencing something he had never experienced or known throughout all eternity. Separation from and the forsakenness by God. Have you ever thought about that? Through all eternity, the Trinity. And now all of a sudden there's that forsakenness and there is that separation. That word forsaken is an interesting word. It means to let one down, ouch, to desert, abandon, leave in the lurch, leave one helpless. This word forsaken gives the idea of deserting somebody or someone in a set of circumstances that are against the person. Wow, think about that for a minute. Tim Keller has a great 
quote that I read recently. Don't worry about people if they're leaving, they're getting ready. We're going to have to celebrate baptism here at the end of the service. It'll be okay. You all right? Okay. I look up and everybody's going, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) it's okay. It's okay. Listen to this quote. This forsakenness, this loss was between the father and the son who had loved each other from all eternity. Think about that. They have loved each other for all eternity. This love was infinitely long, absolutely perfect. Jesus was the maker of the world, right? Hebrews, he's the maker of the world and now was being unmade. Why? Jesus was experiencing our judgment day. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't a rhetorical question. And the answer is, why? For you, for me, for us. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we would never have to be. Think about that for a minute. We don't have to be forsaken. The judgment that should have fallen on us fell instead on Jesus. When I read that, wow, just summed it up so well for me. But why? Why, Lamar? Why was it necessary for this to happen, for Jesus to die? Why the cry? Isaiah 53. Listen to this, verse 6. We have all gone astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. You know what that's called? Sin. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. I want you to see one other thing in that verse. Did you notice that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, twice? Not my Father, my Father, different words. In this moment, I believe that Jesus viewed himself not as the Father's Son, but as The sinner's sacrifice. Let that sit and soak with you for just a minute. He is now the sacrifice, the lamb for all sinners. And then verse 35 and 36, we see confusion. We have the cry and now we see confusion. And just quickly, we're going to note here what scripture says that some mistakenly thought Jesus was calling out for Elijah. They didn't know Aramaic or whatever and the first words are kind of close to that, but no, that's not true. And I believe they waited. I I believe they were ready to give additional ridicule to our Lord Jesus. And they wanted to see whether Elijah would come to take Jesus down. They even got some stuff to wet his whistle, so to speak. However, I want you to understand this. Another principle from God's word throughout the word. If the father would not intervene to spare his son, it is certain that Elijah would not come and do that. Can you imagine how difficult that was to not intervene and send the angels of glory down to wipe all those people out and cause that crucifixion to end? But the Father would not do that. You see, our great Savior would die alone as the sinner's substitute. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. 
Listen closely. Jesus was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. Jesus was punished so that we could be pardoned. He took our unrighteousness so that we could receive his righteousness. God's rescue plan was for Jesus to be abandoned so we could be accepted. And that should impact us greatly. Again, it's not what you have done or what I have done. Well, of course Jesus saved me. I mean, look at all these good things. No, that's not it at all. Well, let's move on. Verses 37, 38, and 39, we see that Jesus opened the way to God. Verse 37 says, Jesus let out a loud cry, and literally, in, in the biblical language, he breathed out. He breathed his last. He died. Almost certainly, it was the cry or the saying that's recorded in John 19.30. It is finished. Atonement has been made, and the work of salvation is done. Think about that for a minute. It is finished. Scripture says Jesus died once and for all. Are you catching me? There's no new group that's going to come out and say, hey, on this date, this is going to happen. On this date, this is going to happen. Hey, I've got another revelation. Or this guy had a revelation. Or some tablets came to this person. Or some mysticism came to someone else. No, the Scripture is clear. He died once and for all. It is finished. We don't have to do a thing. All we have to do is turn in repentance and run to our suffering servant, the Lamb of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. It's done. It is finished. And then it's interesting, there's some evidence given there. It says that in verse 38, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. And again, a miracle of God. This was God's doing. You see, you'll remember the temple and all that. You get to the, the holy place and then the holy of holies. And between those places, there was a large, thick curtain. Many scholars say that it was about 80 feet tall. Now, that's pretty tall. Michael, I don't think we go 80 feet here, do we? It's, it's, think about that. It's taller than this. And are you ready? Three inches thick. Now, I've heard of guys ripping phone books, but fabric that thick, that tall? Wow, it is a work of God. And the curtain was very symbolic. If you remember back before Jesus dying on the cross for us, that this was a symbolic barrier between God and his people. There's great symbolism that's present. This is an act of God. The sin that had created this barrier, both spiritually and naturally, between God and man, had now been atoned for. The old covenant and laws were now fulfilled in Jesus. God is now freely and fully accessible to all people who come to him by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you thanked the Lord for that lately? Have you thanked Jesus that God is fully accessible to you and me right now? We don't have to go through an intermediary or we don't have to go and do this and that. We can just say, God, and go straight to God because of this. For centuries, God had confined his revelation 
the revelation of his glory and majesty to that place we call the Holy of Holies. But now, look what happens. God bursts forth and he will dwell no longer behind a curtain in a building. And it is torn from top to bottom. Because now God dwells in the hearts of his people. Amen? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Another word for holy of holies. Because of the blood of Jesus, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And I say, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. That song we just sang at the end. That we're going to sing next week and next week. Wow. Thank you for that. It's God's revelation. And it's interesting to note the word revelation means unveiling. Did you know that? It means unveiling. There's no more barrier. And Paul states in Colossians chapter 1 this, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to his saints, to God's saints. You see, Jesus is the final revelation. And the most holy place, or the holy of holies, or where God was dwelling, is open to all people, including us. That's powerful. May that stick in our mind this week. Every person who walks by us, even when we might sneer at them, shame on us. Even when we might say, what is wrong with that guy or that gal? Even when we might say... All these things, or think these things, we are human and we do that. Let us remember, salvation is open to all people. Just that guy that walked by me that is different than me. And instead of praying for him, and if the opportunity arises, sharing Christ with him, what do we do sometimes? Wow. We don't look at them like God does. For God so loved the world. That's you and that's me. But come on, church. That's the world. That's why people go all around the world. That's why we are trying to get into every unengaged, unreached people group to translate scripture into their dialect and to go and tell them about this Jesus. I'll never forget when my Son told me that he spoke the name of Jesus to some people, and they say, what is this American word? What is this? They didn't even know it was a name. Jesus. And we know Jesus. Revelation has been done. And the curtain has been torn. Access to God for all people. And then one more thing, verse 39. I think it's a remarkable verse. Jesus' death brings the declaration from the centurion's lips of all people. Do you catch that? Okay. Get your little world history going. Are you good? Think about the Romans and all that and what the the people of God, what they were dealing with at that time. And this is what he says. This man really was God's son exclamation point it is emphatic it is not just to 
a soldier under his command next to him. It is stated emphatically, this man really was God's son. Now, most likely, think about this centurion. He's over what? Centurion, over 100 men, okay? Most likely, if he's there at that time presiding over this, he had overseen the prisoner Jesus since the chief priests turned him over to the Roman authorities. Remember that verse I started reading that I wasn't supposed to read? Yeah, that's when that happened. And this guy had seen Jesus falsely accused, unfairly condemned, brutally scourged, just short of death, saw him mocked, utterly humiliated on that forced march down the Via Dolorosa to the cross and finally nailed to the cross and mocked some more and finally crucified when Jesus breathed out, breathed his last. And he was crucified as a common criminal. But by Jesus' character and death and who he was, Jesus, even in his death, do you see it? He witnesses to a crucifixion-hearted Roman officer, a pagan, who confesses that his victim is indeed the Son of God. It is unbelievable for me to try to get my mind around that. And I want to tell you something. Still today, Jesus, his payment for sin witnesses to us. If you're watching online today, still today, Jesus' witness about sin is for us. It's for you and you and you and you and you and for me. It is right there for us to see. Let's think about the gospel one more time. We're all sinners, the Bible says. The penalty of sin is what? Death. And it's more than just us decaying, right? We're doing that. But it's spiritual death. It's separation from God, a holy God for eternity. And yet God loved us so much, he sent Jesus, his rescue plan. And there's a chasm between God and people, and the cross becomes the bridge so that we might have relationship with God. Because God demonstrated his love towards us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I know some people think, Lamar, I get tired of hearing that verse. Go out and tell the verse to someone else then. It's good news. It's good news. The wages, the penalty of sin can be taken care of through the atonement of Jesus Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith, not, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that we would not boast. God provides this. And Jesus' payment for sin on the cross that witnessed so strong to that pagan Roman centurion that he said, this really is the Son of God. It does the same for you and us today. There is power in the gospel. Do you believe that today? There is power in the good news, and people need to hear about that. Number four, the last two verses. It appears like it's an afterthought. Not really. Because Jesus died with loving eyewitnesses. Now, Scripture here notes that there were some women at the crucifixion. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. There were women at the crucifixion. And it's clear that Scripture teaches us they were devoted servants to Jesus. Look at verse 41. Turn the page a little more. Verse 41, it says they would follow him and help him. That word follow means to accompany 
not just to follow along, but to accompany as a disciple. It's a rich word. You see that? This was proof to me. These women are proof to me that Jesus lived well. He served well. Now he dies well. And despite the great danger that is present there on Golgotha, on the hill of crucifixion, these ladies are present. And their lives had been changed. They were following him. Their lives have been changed because of Jesus. And I want to ask you today, has your life been changed because of Jesus? I stand before you today as another life that has been changed by Jesus. I promise you I would be in, just knowing my family, I would be in a gutter somewhere today. I would be in prison somewhere today. I would, be, I would not have the family that I have today. I could go on. I sure wouldn't be standing here and hopping down, church. Because my life is a life that was changed by Jesus. What about your life? Has your life been changed by Jesus? Has your life been changed because of Jesus? Jesus' death shows the seriousness of sin. But flip the coin over. It's not morbid. He died. The, the penalty, the seriousness of sin. But when we flip the coin over, we see Jesus' death also shows us the infinite love of God. For God so loved me. It's the rescue plan. Let me finish with 1 Peter 3.18. 1 Peter 3.18. I love this verse. For Christ also died for sins once for all. You got that? Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I don't care how smart they appear to be. Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Today, if you are a follower of Christ, would you just thank Him? Would you take a moment during our response time and thank Him for what He has done? That song is so powerful. Thank Him for His shed blood. Thank Him for the cross. If you are not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that all that I've just discussed all that we've read in scripture happened just for you just for you think as if you were the only one on the planet and you were a sinner it happened just for you mm. Jesus died on the cross to bring you safely home to God Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge these words that many of us have read many times. And yet, God, I pray that we will be struck right in the face anew the power of the gospel, the fact of what the atonement is, what Jesus did on the cross, that the price has been paid, that God is ready to bring salvation to lives even today, and lordship to lives, even today. I pray for followers of Jesus that, they, that you would light a fire under us and that we would be renewed to share the good news. It is finished. 
And I pray for those today right here in this room, for those that are listening wherever online, for those that might be listening later this week or who knows when, stumble upon it in weeks to come, that you would consider that this happened for you and that you can repent, you can turn and run from your sin in your life and you can run to the God who saves and confess and ask for forgiveness. And God will rush in and save you and take over your life and be the boss Master Lord. God, we pray for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.